for today. Well, we're going to wrap up this time we've spent speaking about and looking at the scriptures about Holy Spirit. And it certainly hasn't been exhaustive. Oh my goodness, we could literally spend another two or three months just going to the scriptures regarding the active ministry of Holy Spirit. But today I want to continue in part three here about fellowship with Holy Spirit. Um, we've been experiencing that this morning, the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I hope that we experienced that all last week um, because it's our privilege as ones who, who are uh, yielded to Christ and his lordship is to participate in the ministry of Holy Spirit. But just to contextualize Holy Spirit, let's remember that God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit have always existed eternally. Even before the creation of the universe, before the creation of the world, and they've never known anything but perfect union and perfect love. So it's always important to remind us of how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have always been one in union and in love together. And remember that God the Father was in Christ when he came to earth, as was Holy Spirit, who was with him and upon him. And God the Father and Holy Spirit were in Christ when he was on the cross. I think I've got that one up there for you. He was in, they were in Christ. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. And so wherever God the Father is and Jesus Christ is there, you have the working presence of Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was also present with all of humanity as we died with Christ and were raised with him. You know, Apostle Paul, when he speaks to the Romans and he speaks to the Corinthians, he, he speaks, <clears throat> or he references the death of Christ and all having died in Christ and with Christ. Now, we, you can go, well, historically, I was not there. That's true, but there is a, there is a dimension of union that Christ had with all of humanity when he came, came to earth and so that's why Romans 6 and 1 Peter 1, and we actually have in Corinthians where, where Paul addresses this. But it's also the Holy Spirit who delights to reveal the reality of our connectedness with Christ in his death and resurrection. Yes, from inside our own sin and blindness. Did you know, to know that the mission of the Holy Spirit is not to create a relationship from scratch between us and Jesus as if though there was no connection to begin with. Well, amazingly, we're already made in the image and likeness of Christ. And when Christ came to earth, he came in his incarnation. And the purpose of the incarnation was just not to show up as an additional human being. But he came, and in this miraculous incarnation, there was a uniting with to a whole other dimension with all of humanity, and that is specifically why the scriptures make it so astoundingly clear that it was on the cross he reconciled all people unto himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he did that without our permission. I mean, can you believe that? He just did it. And that that's the nature of love. He's God. He's sovereign. He has that privilege. He has that right. 
He didn't wait for us to think if we're going to decide to follow after him or not. He already reconciled us into God before we even were born. Now, it's so, it's so wonderful, though, how that love gives an opportunity for a response. How many of you remember the first time that you consciously responded to Jesus Christ and you said yes to his lordship? Oh, I remember it so specifically and so clearly. That is not, though, when Jesus went to the cross and took my sin. He already did that. Okay? And in his sovereignty, he knew that down the road someday that I would be in a place and have the privilege to hear the good news and to come to this conscious awareness of his presence with me and him drawing me unto Christ that I might confess Jesus Christ as Lord. So our decision to follow Christ, though, could only be made because God, the Father, initiated it. He initiated it by drawing our hearts unto Christ and opening our blinded eyes. How? By ministry of the Holy Spirit. John 6, 4, 4. No one can come to me, Jesus said, unless... The Father who sent me draws him. No one can come to me except the Father. We would never, ever have been drawn to Christ, Jesus, except that the Father, by the Spirit, caused me to want to put a desire in my heart, to want to, uh, to seek out truth. And for some people, that's a long journey of seeking truth. And they may go down up this road a ways and go, well, I didn't find truth there. I didn't feel my soul. May head up this path a little ways. May go up this road. You know what? All roads don't lead to God, but he will come down any road to find us and to draw us unto Christ. He will make a way. And so Jesus gives that promise. So the Holy Spirit, though, works within sinful human beings. Did you know that uh, Christ Jesus um, is, is certainly is not ignorant of uh, our sinful condition, the condition of our soul, and neither is he afraid of the sins of humankind? That's just not going to freak him out? That's why Jesus was very, very comfortable hanging out with the sinners and the publicans, and it drove the religious people nuts. They were moralists, living by the law, drove them crazy. Look at this guy, hanging out with the sinners. Now, was Jesus into their particular lifestyle that maybe wasn't uh, always wholesome? I'm certain he wasn't, but he's not, he was not put off. I love how that Galatians chapter 1, we actually touched on this last week. Just do a quick little uh, review here. Galatians 1, verse 15, Paul says, When he who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased. Now, i got to pause there. What? Holy Spirit was at work within Paul while he was a little embryo? And while he was a fetus, while he was a living human being within his mother's womb, Holy Spirit was working with Paul? Apparently so. We have numerous scriptures 
that indicate the ever-presence of the Holy Spirit. And yet Paul, with all of that Holy Spirit activity, spent a season out persecuting Christians and wanting them wiped off the face of the earth because they were following after this supposed Messiah and they were duped, they were deceived. And so Paul thought it was better that we have to stamp out Christianity, these Christ followers. Yet Holy Spirit had been working in him from his mother's womb. But he was born into this world. He had a propensity to sin like every human, like all of us. And darkness and blindness of the enemy came over him. And he actually thought he was doing God a favor. And yet he was working under the influence of the evil one. And yet Holy Spirit was with him all along. That ought to cause us all to jump up and shout and do a victory lap or something. Because you can look around, whether it's a family member who is struggling, it's a friend who is snared by the enemy, and, and, and there seems to be darkness and such. Know this, the Holy Spirit is not like, oh boy, I can't go near him. Are you kidding me? Where does light shine? Light shines and is noticed and revealed in where? Darkness. Darkness. And so I realize sometimes we are very reactive to sin and evil and understandably so. That's not a, a weird thing. We can even be very repulsed. But what I am saying, the love of God is so amazingly pure that he can, he sees through the stuff and he's able to see the tender heart of a person who may be enveloped in sin and who may be enveloped with different types of evil. And yet he, being the creator and the lover of every human, sees through into the very heart and knows that he made the person who is even exhibiting evil today, he made them in his image and likeness and they belong to him. And sometimes that's hard for us to do, right? Very difficult for us. The more that we become saturated with Jesus, the more that we have the working of the presence of Holy Spirit in our lives that's portrayed or manifested in fruit, the easier it becomes for us is to see the heart of another person that was made in the likeness of Christ, but who may be exhibiting all kinds of ugliness right now. It's one of the ways that I know that I'm growing, or if I'm growing, truly spiritually growing. Having more knowledge doesn't, is not in and of itself evidence of my spiritual growth. I, can, I, I have a good clue as to my spiritual growth as to how I respond to individuals or a people who are maybe ensnared by the enemy, living in spiritual darkness, and doing things that are very unseemly and, and very damaging to their lives and perhaps other people. My response is an indicator of my true spirituality and of my spiritual growth and progress. Now, on one hand, that could be rather sobering, right? On the other hand, it can be very delightful. Very delightful. I had somebody just tell me recently, you know, when I drive down the street... I'm seeing people differently than I did a couple years ago. I'm like, yes, that's spiritual growth. And that is continually happening to me. 
because I know they were made in his image and likeness. And God looks at them like a son or daughter, but they're lost. They don't know their daddy. They don't know who they are. They've been duped, they're blind. And we got a spirit of confusion in our world when people don't know uh, who they are at the heart or even don't know who they are as a, as a, a gender, and the list goes on. And there's always the spirit of the enemy is to bring confusion and chaos. So we don't want to get caught up in confusion and chaos in a reactive manner, though. What we want to do is, is being Christ-like and not moved by the chaos, not moved by the stuff. It may boggle your mind, as there's certainly some things boggle mine. I, like, I don't get this. But I pray that the work of the Holy Spirit is such that I'm able to see beyond, to see through all of that stuff, the confusion, the chaos and such, and to see some precious soul as one who has been created by our Lord, who is loved so much and who is lost. But Jesus, just in his parables, like the shepherd, he's going to go after that lost one until he finds him, until he finds her. And we can be a part of that, one, through, through how we honor other people. We don't need to agree with someone in their participation in something that is really not productive and godlike. We, we, we don't need to agree with that to show basic honor as a fellow human being. And sometimes that's tough. Is anyone here like me that that's difficult to sort through sometimes? Two of us. Okay, yeah. The rest of you must be easy peasy, right? It's like, ah, oh, man, no problem at all. I just have such a spiritual lens. I can see right through this stuff. And I just said, my heart of love is responding. No, we, we, we trip up on these things. Well, <clears throat> Paul, imagine Paul here was being used by the evil one to try to stamp out Christianity. But through the grace of God, here's the scripture, Galatians 1, through his grace. Now, grace is what? Grace is God coming toward us. Grace is God's presence and power moving towards us. And that's why the scripture says, by grace are you saved. We were reconciled at the cross by the grace of God and we weren't even born yet. Grace is something we're privileged to respond to with the faith that God plants within us in seed form. But Paul says his grace, but through his grace, he was revealed to do what? Reveal his son in me so that I might preach him, so that Paul might fulfill his calling. So it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit who is close and near all people, even as Paul has said in several places of Scripture, he's near and present with all people to do what? To reveal Christ Jesus and the reality of salvation that was made possible only through Jesus Christ. And then what does he do? He gives me a sense of desire. For it is God who causes us desire. Paul says it in Philippians, to even have the desire and the will to do his good pleasure. Wow. He initiates and we respond. 
You know, it was God's grace and initiation that sent the blinding light to Paul, um, formerly known as Saul, and with the blinding light. And it's interesting that for three days he was in blindness and darkness. And it was within the darkness that Christ revealed himself to him. Beautiful. It actually was a judgment of sorts. Paul is having a day of reckoning there along the road, and he's blinded physically. That was the mercy of the Lord to literally physically blind him from all of the chaos going around and such. And so there he was in a place just with he and the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's a, 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 that's a come-to-Jesus moment right there. Now, I've, I've known of other people have had these very similar experiences and these come to Jesus moments. And some of us, it's, it comes in a different way. Maybe really gradual and God begins to reveal himself to us little by little. And for others, it's like, bam, where'd that come from, you know? Either way, it is the Holy Spirit that comes and ministers. Now, a person, of course, may not be in fellowship with God, but the Holy Spirit is always near. Now, St. Irenaeus put it this way. He said, a Holy Spirit accustomed himself to dwell in the human race, to rest with human beings, and to dwell in the workmanship of God. And so our experience of salvation is not about me inviting Jesus into his life. It's about Jesus having already included me and all of humanity in his death his resurrection. Let, let, let us put it this way. Here's a great quote that I read. The gospel is not the news that we receive Jesus Christ into our lives. The gospel is the news that Jesus Christ has received us into his life. That's what Paul went about preaching. And now is opportunity for our response. And that's why Apostle Paul says, turn towards him now. He's invited you into his life. He's already laid down his life for you. I want you to turn towards him. Repent. Turn away from your waywardness. Turn towards him. So Paul makes an appeal to turn towards the Lord and embrace the reality of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Beautiful thing is that the Lord always gives us faith to embrace the reality of what already is. John 14, verse 20, he told the disciples when he told them, look, I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he said, in that day, you will know that I'm in my Father and you in me and I in you. So he's speaking about present tense that will be understood on that day. What was he referring to when the Holy Spirit was to be poured out? Holy Spirit was working with the disciples all along the way, and they weren't saved as we understand salvation today. How were they out healing the sick and preaching the good news except by the working presence of Holy Spirit? And Jesus says to the disciples, in that day when the Spirit is poured out, you're going to go to a level of revelation that you don't have now. And you're going to realize that I and in my Father, we have a oneness, and that you are in me and that I am in you. This is how you're going about doing the, the mission that I've sent you on 
is because there's a relational connection here. And yet you don't realize it. And they wouldn't realize it until the day of Pentecost. And there was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which brings us to a place and privilege of having intimacy with the Lord as we say yes and surrender our lives to his lordship. So faith is the substance um, or the reality of what already exists. And so God gives each of the person this measure of faith. Faith is what? The divine ability, the confidence to embrace what is an invisible reality and to see it manifested or materialized. So our believing does not create a connectedness with Christ by the Spirit, but faith is simply a God-given ability. And that's why he says, I've given unto each a measure of faith. It's a God-given ability, ability to believe in Jesus and that which he has created and invited me to participate in. We call this salvation. And it's a wonderful, amazing discovery of Jesus Christ. And so <clears throat> the impurities of our heart, of our mind, and our bodies do not diminish the working presence of the Holy Spirit. He's working and he's the one that brings us to wholeness and to experience the holiness of Jesus Christ. But he's not afraid and he's going to run and hide. John 1, 4 to 5, I actually already referred to this, but in him was life, the life was the light of mankind and the light shines where? In the darkness. But the darkness didn't grasp it. Then let's go to 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 6. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And this is the glorious ministry of Holy Spirit. So, Hopefully that helps us to even better understand our experiences in the past to the present and to be very hopeful about any loved one or coworker or neighbor yet who may be bumping around in darkness, darkness and sin and haven't yet discovered, know that Holy Spirit. And that's how we can praise that God, thank you for the working presence of your Holy Spirit. You've said it in scripture that my friend is not even going to be able to see uh, Christ except that the Father draws him. I believe that you're drawing my friend right now. Thank you, Father, for working and drawing my friend to yourself by the Holy Spirit. You say, well, if God is sovereign and he has the power to do that, then, then why do we need to pray? Because he invites us into a divine participation. It is part of our privilege and actually it's a part of our responsibility. You see, to belong to this physical body here of mine is that each part has a responsiveness and a responsibility. To get from the front row up here, there were different moving parts of this physical body that needed to respond and participate to get me from the floor level up these stairs, right? Metaphorically, Christ is the head and we are members of his 
body. So we're privileged to be a part of his body, but let us not forget that every one of us who are privileged to be a part of Christ's body also have measures of responsibility to participate with him. See? And one of those is through prayer. Prayers of blessing. Prayers are where we appeal to the Lord and we thank him for his goodness and salvation towards friends and family members and co-workers who are still in a place where they have not discovered Christ Jesus as their personal Savior yet. Well, we read this earlier at the service. I won't read it again, but I'll make reference. When we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. And here's a little statement that I say after this. We died with him. We rose in Christ and with Christ. And when he presented himself before the Father, he also presented us before the Father so that we are already, should say, accepted of God in Christ once and for all. So Father is drawing all people. I want to say to whatever degree of darkness, Christ is the light that shines in the darkness. And so sometimes I think as Christians, I, I know because I've been um, around Christians all of my life, and sometimes I hear Christians spend probably too much time lamenting over darkness, discussing darkness. And how dark dark is. How crazy and chaotic darkness is. I don't think it's wrong to acknowledge to one another that, wow, when awareness that we live in a hurting world. And there are clearly the works of darkness and the enemy. But we want to be careful not to spend too much of our time focusing on the darkness. May God help us to be able to look at darkness with hope, with faith, and recognize that those who are living in darkness to whatever major degree, and remember all of us may have some areas of our lives that are a little dim. We may not be walking in the fullness of life. As a matter of fact, that would make us sinless. We would never ever sin if we were 100% day and night, 24-7, living in the fullness of glory and light, Right? And so sometimes there's an influence of the evil one or the things of this world that can bring about a dimming of the light, maybe in a certain area of life, and then we can find ourselves maybe responding in ways or acting in ways that are not Christ-like, okay? But let's look at under one another, and let's look at other individuals with hearts of hope, hearts of faith, imagining the possibilities, of, of, of the fullness of God's glory just coming on. Holy Spirit encounters that bring transformation. Imagine the possibilities rather than imagining how much worse and chaotic things can be because there is darkness and evil. I hope, I hope you, you hear my heart in that there. So I, I find myself at times just needing to simply discipline my soul, my mind, and bring to my mouth as well. Because what I don't want to do is reinforce darkness by just constantly talking about what isn't and how terrible it is and such. Because I kind of imagine at times there can be the enemy off in the shadows going, yay, that's right, declare it more, talk about it more. Oh, I love their focus. Yay, go for it. 
and I can hear the nudge of the Holy and feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit to say, okay, enough said. You don't need to be talking anymore about it. Why don't you declare the righteousness of God over the situation and the matter rather than developing a fighting spirit in the flesh? Right? See, we can be sincere Christians but get caught in the spirit of this world trying to fight things out of human reasoning and human strategies rather than, than focusing our faith upon Jesus Christ and the power of his presence to shine light into darkness. And honestly, I think that sometimes I find myself kind of teetering, okay, is this right or wrong? Or, you know, to what extent do I give attention to this evil in our society, you know? How can I give attention towards that through and with the heart of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit? How can I help make a difference rather than complain and participate in conversations that just almost glorify the enemy of our soul? So I'm not talking about being stupid and blind and just pretend like everything's okay. Not at all. That's not what I mean. So I, I hope you heard my heart in this. So... When our eyes are opened, we experience the grace of the Savior, and we have fellowship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I want to put this up on the screen, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, because the relationship of Holy Spirit and the Father in Christ is indivisible. And now, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, speaking God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Isn't that a beautiful verse of scripture? This is Paul. Paul's heart was just to live in a dimension of a spirit-filled life and perspective. So he's recognizing the grace of the Lord Jesus. And what was that? That's Jesus who voluntarily came and laid down his life for us. The love of God, and this was because God so loved the world that he even sent his holy son, or sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And so Paul recognizes the love of the Father. He recognizes and professes the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and then he talks about the fellowship, this privilege, this divine privilege we have uh, to be connected with Christ by the Holy Spirit and to commune together. Now, the word that's used here as fellowship is a Greek word that probably most of you already know. It's used multiple times in the New Testament. It's called koinonia. Koinonia is most often translated as fellowship. And it's a fellowship is a common term in Christian circles, right? Wherever you go around the world, and where English is understood, the word fellowship. And the equivalent of that is used in other languages as well. What does koinonia mean? To have a close association with, but get this. It's a sharing of mutual interests. A sharing of mutual interests. Now picture this. Jesus has reconciled us to the Father. He's raised us up and has seated us with Christ in heavenly places. 
So there you have, in heavenly places, you have the Father, you have the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we are seated together with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For what purpose other than to relate with one another? We have mutual interests. What are our interests? Well, we recognize that Jesus came in honor to the Father. He worked in perfect union and harmony with the Father. They sent the Holy Spirit and, and, and to testify of Jesus Christ. And so there's this mutual interest of honor for the sake of what? All of humanity. When we're raised up into heavenly places, it is not a place of elite uh, where, where the elites hang out. Ordinary people saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, raised up together, and there we are. What is our interest? More importantly than anything else, our interest is this. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the point of mutual interest. His kingdom come. Thus, that's why Jesus said, let me show you how to pray. Here's how I want you to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I started incorporating into my prayer life about 25 years ago. Um, well, it's been a lot longer than that. Some of you, uh, <clears throat> anyhow, uh, and I, I know sometimes I just pray, come thy kingdom, be done thy will, O God, in my city in my family. I declare the kingdom of God be revealed and made manifest in the hearts of all people in Jesus' name. I'm simply agreeing with the heart of the Lord. Now, what is happening in that moment? I'm having fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I'm in harmony with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And there's a sense of joy and a sense of delight every time I find myself praying along that line because there's, there's fellowship. And when you have this kind of fellowship happening, you can't help but praying those kind of prayers. See, see the, the, the prayers that we get to participate in are more than just help me make it through the day. Although that's a good prayer to pray some days, isn't it? It really is, sincerely, because it shows our love and our need for the Lord, and we recognize that he's with me, and we need his help some days more than other days, okay? But our prayer ministry and our fellowship with the Holy Spirit, as in good as that is, important as it is, needs to mature and grow. And as we grow, we recognize the bigger purpose for our existence, and that is it being partners with the Lord in the extending of his kingdom on earth. So that's why we, with enthusiasm, we say, oh, Lord, we don't just get focused on darkness. Oh, boy, I can't believe what I just saw in the news today. It's getting worse and worse, brother. Do you know how bad it's getting? And there may be truth in the, to what, that statement, Right? Don't get stuck there. Get a case of the holy, I'm going to do something about this. I'm in agreement with my Lord. Lord, release the presence of your kingdom. 
May the light of your glory shine in the darkness of hearts that caught in confusion and evil. In Jesus' mighty name. And when we find ourselves flowing in that direction, we are so privileged to recognize that we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Remember, fellowship with the Holy Spirit leads to a spirit of hope, faith, and confidence when we see evil and darkness on display. Yeah. So you can just hang out with a friend and lament all day about how bad things are. But true as intimacy with Christ grows in our life, and we grow into this because it's relationship, right? But as our relationship grows with Christ and as we go from being babies to more maturity in our lives, we find our hearts chiming in with the voice of heaven. Oh, thy kingdom come, your will be done in Jesus' name. I see hope. I see possibilities. I see revivals. I see reformation. I see Holy Ghost movement. I see transformation of hearts. I see whole towns coming to Christ Jesus. Well, let me read this scripture here. Let's go to John chapter 15. Jesus said something really important. Remain in me and I in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself but remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. This comes back again to our privilege and what? Responsibility. As a one who is a part of Christ, incorporated into his body, he says, okay, so you're the pinky finger. Come on, get moving. Stay, stay connected with me. Keep your heart stirred up with faith, hope, and love. Keep on the thinking of possibilities of, of God manifesting himself even in the midst of darkness. So Jesus said, I'm the brine, you're the branches, the one who remains in me, and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. But if anyone does not remain in me, so what is he talking about? He's talking about kind of a disconnect. The things of this world, the things of the flesh can begin to draw our heart's attention away from the heart of the Lord. And what happens then? We become useless. And so the Lord in his love and care for us, he has to take those things of our lives and, and he gathers them, they throw them into fire. It's for purification, see, because they're no longer useful to us. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What do we wish? We wish the will of the Lord to be done, right? And sometimes when you don't know how to pray, just do a few shandalas. Pray in the Holy Ghost. And then declare, God, I declare your will be done in Jesus' name. Beyond that, I'm not sure. My brain does not know the words to form as to how to pray. But I have been having fellowship with the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit. And I'm just going to declare the will of the Lord be done in Jesus' name. How many of you know that's a good prayer? Because sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought. We, we just don't know. 
And actually, that's okay. That's not a bad place. I think that makes a whole lot more sense than sometimes trying to conjure up some kind of a nice-sounding prayer when, in fact, we don't know how to pray in a given moment. Pray in the Spirit and just declare the will of God to be done. And then down the road, the Lord may bring to your attention more specifically, strategically, how you pray rather than just a bunch of empty words that have a religious tone to them. So abiding or remaining is to relationally assume Christ's perspectives. Real quickly, how we see the Father. Man, I've got to keep my heart connected because how I see the Father is really important. Secondly, how we see ourselves in the light of Christ. Um, this, is, this is important because sometimes we can become confused about who we are and are called to be and then usually that's played out in behavior and attitudes that aren't, aren't, very, aren't very pretty, okay? So as we cultivate this relationship, we see how the Father sees, we see ourselves in the light of his glory, and then we, it's how we see others. I've already talked about that today, okay? For example, how we see the Father. If we see the God the Father as a harsh judge who watches our every move, with disapproval, and certainly if he disapproves of my mis misdeeds, then he's certainly really ticked off at these people over here who are far worse conditioned than me. Yeah. See, the problem is then, then we become, we get caught in a spirit of criticism and a judgmental spirit and con spirit of condemnation, say. But when we see God as the everlasting loving Father, that draws us close, yes, even when we fail along the way and we make mistakes or we just blatantly sin, he is always coming after us and to give us grace and peace to respond. And if we have that, then it will make our response towards others filled with love rather than condemnation, love and acceptance. And it causes us to want to reach out so as to restore another person rather than to beat on them with our thinking and with our words when they're down. So what are some of the fruit of the Holy Spirit? It's simply from abiding. So the more I just daily consciously say, Lord, here I am. I want to stay in this place of connectedness with you. And I believe that the, the fruit of the Spirit is... Guess what it is? It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Guess what? They're just Christ-like attributes. I don't have to generate love, but rather what I, what I need to do is learn to keep myself in the love of God. Because I'm responsible for me. I can't, you're not responsible for me. And I can't say, well, God, you're sovereign, so therefore you're responsible for all my actions and behavior. I, I, no, I can't do that. God says, no, I created you. I gave you a mind. I already put my love in your heart. Now you need to be responsible and responsive to me. This is part of my privilege in Christ Jesus. Guess what? The more I stick close, stay connected, guess what? Love begins to grow. Joy grows. Peace grows. All of these things grow. And guess what? They, in fact, have always been at the core of our being and our ontology. But... The attributes, the likeness, were made in his image and likeness, right? What happens, that becomes marred by sin, and it becomes masked over 
sometimes by layers and layers of tough stuff in our lives and we become we can become callous and 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 insensitive okay real quickly how do i stay connected to jesus one honor him as lord so that he becomes central to your life number two recognize interact with members of christ's body He's the head. If you're a member of the body, this little pinky isn't going to do very well, isn't going to stay connected with the head. The pinky has to say, yes, I'm privileged to belong to the hand, and the hand belongs to the arm, and the arm uh, be belongs to the rest of the body. So whoever you are, you're designed to interact with Christ's body, just as we're doing now, for example. Three, be transparent about the process of inner transformation. The attitudes and behaviors in denying self. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Talking about denying the flesh, the works of the flesh. Sometimes we want to do things that aren't right before God, okay? We get pulled here, pulled there, mentally, emotionally, physically. And, um, and so we learn how to be honest in this process of transformation, what is denying self, the self-life, and gaining more of the likeness of Christ. Number four, encourage one another lest anyone gives in to unbelief, losing hope and connection with Christ by the Spirit. I'm so grateful for people who've been a part of my entire life and individuals along the way, maybe for seasons and such, who bring encouragement to me so that I can keep hope alive and don't lose hope and lose connection from with the vine. And another way that can help us stay connected that I have learned in my life, and I believe the scriptures teach us so clearly, serve the poor, serve the outcasts, serve the marginalized of society who are in need of love and restoration. Sometimes we, we get too focused on our needs our troubles, our failures. And there's something that's so precious in being the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus to the poor, the outcasts, and the marginalized society. Let me read this scripture, and we're done. Therefore, Philippians chapter 2, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, matter of fact, can we read this together? I think I have it. Yeah, it's on the screen. Ready? Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, and intent on one purpose. You know what? This scripture is a whole sermon in and of itself. So that's why I stood up, so I'm not tempted. But I just want to encourage us to stand together. And what the scripture is actually speaking toward is this. As we keep connected with the vine and have fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it has a direct effect on our interpersonal relationships. Do you notice that? you just take and begin to kind of parse this uh, scripture here and you, you begin to look at it and then the opposite is true as we interact in love and honor 
and sharing of our lives with one another, guess what? It all is for the enhancement of staying connected to Christ, the vine. So that in turn then, his attributes and likeness are manifest and displayed in our lives. Well, which is more important? Equally important. So I have my own personal responsiveness, but part of my personal responsiveness is being responsive to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And my responsiveness to you then, in turn, encourages me and motivates me. It just all works together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and together we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, and we get to have this beautiful communion. Come on, let's lift up our hands and we say, God, thanks for this privilege. We're so grateful. We're so grateful for this privilege to know you, Father. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and laying down your life and then sending Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you for this rich fellowship we have with God by the Holy Spirit. Increase our connectedness. Cause our hearts to become more bonded together with our Lord so that we might bear the fruits of righteousness for your honor and your glory. We pray this in the name of Christ and everyone said amen, amen. and amen. Well, we pray you just have a wonderful, wonderful day. Have a blessed week and just stay focused upon your privileged connection with the Lord and we can make a difference in our world, keeping hope alive, and keeping faith at the forefront and seeing nothing but possibilities even in the midst of darkness in different circumstances. Amen? All right, we'll go in the love of God today. Have a super great week, we pray.